Girlin' World Podcast, a fun, unfiltered, and charged look at navigating the modern world as an independent woman chasing her dreams. Let's find our way into a deep knowing of ourselves and call in abundance, joy, and ultimately everything we want in this life. I know this is probably a bit of a weird statement to make, but my reality is truly this. Battling chronic depression led me to the pursuit of joy, and that ultimately has led me to my dream life. Trust me, I'm going to get into each piece of that and make it make sense. But I really wanted to share my journey, in part because I'm really proud of how far I've come, um, but in larger part because if sharing my story could help even one person struggling right now to believe what's possible for them in the midst of their own mental health struggles, then it's worth it to me to be open and candid about my own struggles and ultimately my path out. That said, I'm always very, very clear that my path and my reality are not necessarily yours. We're all walking our own paths, and what I hope to accomplish is more that you believe two things. One, whatever you want for your life is possible, no matter the obstacles that you're currently confronting. And two, that I believe wholeheartedly in the dualities of life and that you can learn to walk beside your depression or anxiety and still live into your dreams. So in this episode, I'm going to share my journey with depression into joy and ultimately my dream life. I'll be sharing the roadmap that got me there, the steps, so to speak, although they certainly did not feel like steps at the time, that helped me walk the road to my dreams and ultimately to walk alongside my depression. And I'll be sharing how I've used that same roadmap with clients battling anxiety, burnout, and generally just not living the beautiful life that they want for themselves. I'll be discussing in depth why I think joy is worth pursuing and how anyone can do it. And we'll be touching on how to start building your own dream life. That will make more sense as we go along. So let's go back to the beginning of my story. Depending on who you ask, I may have been battling chronic depression since I was a very small child. And that thought does make me a little sad if I'm being honest, especially the more that I've learned about how our brains adapt and sometimes not the way we'd like in the face of stressful situations. And for me, my childhood was a stressful situation. So whether I was born with a brain that makes less of its own serotonin or a brain that was triggered at an important developmental age to uptake less of that serotonin, I may never know. But what I do know is that by the time I was in my early 20s, I had been experiencing some very serious bouts with depression, including ones that had led to losing jobs because I couldn't get out of bed, losing my apartment because I had lost my job and couldn't pay rent, scaring the crap out of the people closest to me who worried over days of missed texts and not answering the phone, finding life hopeless and full of darkness, and generally just being unable to find joy in anything ever. In fact, joy as a concept wasn't even on my radar at that time. I just remember feeling so deeply, desperately empty. At my lowest point, I passed several days in bed and had no idea it had happened. I didn't really care about anything, I guess not even survival, um, and I actually don't even know how or why I was able to eventually get out of bed. So not so fun fact about depression, and I swear this episode does get happier, but depressed folks have a harder time creating and storing memories. It's got something to do with the hippocampus and the body's reaction to stress or perceived threats. I don't know all the science, but point being, I have entire chunks of time, especially in my younger life, where I've lost memories. Often I'll have a sense of what happened, but I'm missing a lot of the details. 
I kind of feel like it's, you know, if you got old, as you're getting older and you know you're trying to remember your youth, except that I never really remembered it in the first place. Anyways, living with depression, whether chronic or situational, is obviously deeply personal. But there are definitely some through lines around the experience for most of us. And the best description I've ever heard, um, I actually heard recently in a book called Cover Your Ears If You Hate Swearing, Unfuck Your Brain by Faith G. Harper. So I wanted to share her science-made accessible take on depression with you. According to her, depression is a predisposition or genetics plus a trigger. And it is definitively not the same thing as about with sadness. So it's the complete shutdown of all the things that make being human an enjoyable experience. When you're experiencing depression, you rarely have experiences of gratitude, pleasure, connectedness, or joy. Or if you do, you feel them snatched away more often, more often than not. So in her words, and I definitely concur in my experience, depression is the thief of all the wonderful things that make humaning worth it. Ugh. She says that experiencing these feelings, or the utter lack of them, as it were, for a period of two consecutive weeks or more is the clinical definition of depression. And what I really love about this description, and what I wish I had known about depression at the earlier stages of my own journey, um, and which now I hold really dear, is that those things she lists, gratitude, pleasure, connectedness, and joy, are essentially the roadmap to finding your way back. So before going any further, I want to quickly say that I have used medication and therapy in varying stages of my journey with chronic depression, and I think those, along with coaching and many other factors, such as adequate sunlight and finding my passion, are all super valid. They all have their place, and they all form a part of that same road roadmap, you know, back. Um, but for the purposes of what I want to share about my journey, <laughs> I do want to say that the concept of a roadmap consisting of or including gratitude, pleasure, joy, connectedness uh, would have been extremely useful to me while using medication to manage my depression. And in fact, in a way, the roadmap that I didn't have is exactly the one that I've created for myself. And so now I share that with others whenever I can, and I will share with you later in this episode. So for some, these pieces around emotions and intentional living might hold part of the key. For others, it might be medication and therapy, and in my experience, for many of us, it's generally some combination of all of the above. I am not a doctor. I'm just sharing my story. So please talk to your doctor if you are struggling and would like to know which options are available to you. Okay, back to my story. And back to the year that I was 23. I had recently had my heart super deeply broken for the very first time. Like that deep, deep first adult love where you really, really think you have it, you know? And while he was listing the reasons that he didn't want to be with me, <laughs> the main theme that uh, the main theme that I kept hearing was I was depressed and I was bringing down his vibe. <laughs> so talk about breaking my heart and heaping it on. Now the quote unquote love of my life didn't want me because there was something wrong with me. I'd love to tell you that this was the catalyst or the moment I realized I could use some help, but no. <laughs> Forever someone who thinks she can do it all alone, I carried on just determined to be cheerier, is that even a word? Um, and entered almost immediately into a new relationship. And it wasn't until months later in that relationship, finding that somehow this man that I had laughed with 
all of the time was now also deeply unhappy. And I was again, deeply unhappy that I started to clue in like, yeah, okay, there's a problem here and it might be me or it might have something to do with me because I did. I wanted to be happy and I wanted to be in love and I wanted life to feel fun, but mostly it just felt dark and heavy and lonely all of the time even when all the obvious logical signs pointed to the contrary. And I was really not understanding why. So with a lot of help and a few stabilizing folks, um, I finally felt ready to admit that this wasn't how life was supposed to feel and I reached out for help. It was far from easy and little did I know that it was only the beginning of a very, very, very long road that included various medications, therapy when I could scrape together some funds to afford it, you know, acupuncture, trial and error, and just a lot of tears. I don't really want to focus on this part of the journey all that much in this episode, but I will say that it was hard work and that taking medication for a time helped me so much. It stabilized me long enough that I could do this other work that I love to talk about and share about. So my personal preference has been to take medication for chronic depression on and off, and I've always had doctors support that decision when they hear and understand my reasons. I definitely find that for me, you know, once I'm stable and steady, I can enact all these other pieces to greater effect and find a lot of balance for a long time. In fact, for increasingly longer periods of time. So initially I stayed on medication for the first couple of years, Uh, when I went on it. And then from there, I've been on and off at least a handful of times. But I've also gone literal years without using any at all. And and I find that these stretches of not relying on medication have gotten longer and longer as I've learned a lot about what I share around self-care and finding joy, or what I referenced a few minutes ago as my roadmap. So I do want to say that this entire journey would have been impossible for me to begin, or at least so it seemed at the time, you know, without first having those stabilizing forces of supports and meds. That's not uh, to sell you on meds. It's just simply to illuminate the fact that I'm not suggesting that only one thing works or only one way will work for you. And what I have to offer, I was able to offer. I'm able to be where I am today in part because of my journey that included other things. Okay. So while I think now that if anyone at all had come along and had conversations with me about how to feel joy in my body, catch it, create it, build it, all that stuff I talk about, that I might've never needed the medication at all. You know, it's not something we learn in school. It's not something most people talk about. I mean, especially 30, 20, 15 years ago. And while it is honestly kind of impossible to say that like, you know, I maybe wouldn't have needed meds or whatever. I, I also might've outright rejected it. You know, I rejected the idea at the time that sunlight and a walk could make a difference because it hadn't, like I hadn't been able to connect to it. It wasn't working. And now I can see how it does for me. So wherever you're at right now, whether you use medication or think that maybe it would help, whether you want to go off medication and are looking for different ways to manage it, whether you plan to stay on medication forever and are actively pursuing your joy, you know, where you've never been on medication and have no need and no interest, like wherever you're at, it's valid and you will never hear any different from me. So that's just what I wanted to say. Okay. Back to the beginning of my journey with medication and the pursuit of a life that felt beautiful. I want to share some of the best advice I received around that time. And to be honest, I'm a little unsure if my doctor said it, my aunt said it, or if my own brain came up with it, (laughs) but I do know my doctor said this first part. He said, your brain struggles to produce the chemicals that others maybe don't struggle with as much. 
and you may always need medicinal help with that. But that decision and many others are ultimately up to you. If you want to find another way to live, you're going to have to work to find it. Oof. And then this is the part that either someone else or my brain concocted. Likely it was like a mix of, you know, comments from those people that I trusted and that my brain took and sort of synthesized um, into this. Consider doing more of what makes you feel good when you're feeling good and see if that gets you some of the results you're looking for. So if you've never experienced depression, I'll share why this is really profound. Number one, because it acknowledges that often you want to do things when you're depressed, but you just, you can't find the will. It's not a lack of want, it's a lack of will. And number two, it's the opposite of not quote unquote allowing your depression in because like, geez, if only it was that easy. It's actually just about expanding to create more space for the good or the light when you have the capacity. I wonder where you've heard that before. (laughs) It's definitely something I talk about fairly regular online. Expansion over contraction, like bringing in more of the good because cutting out the bad is harder to do. So I took this to heart and immediately did something tactical and tangible because my little brain loves real steps I can take. I made myself a happy list, (laughs) an actual list written on paper of the things that almost always made me happy or gave me moments of experiencing joy so that I could refer to them when I felt unsure or lost or even when I felt, you know, okay, but didn't know like what to try to kind of improve it, you know, or, or carry on. And so that I could remember what they were when I couldn't remember much else when I was in a depressive episode. So maybe you're thinking that's a touch simplistic, but I've always been a firm believer in starting wherever, you know, anywhere you can, wherever you can. And I don't think there's anything basic about finding ways to work with your brain to help you get your desired results. So I made a happy list and I started looking for ways to incorporate things on my happy list more often. A few things that were on my happy list, since I'm sure you're curious, I know I would be. Uh, I had swinging on swings, so I've always loved the sensation of flying. And so I can go to a park and swing on some swings for just a couple of minutes, and I just feel light, happy. Um, I had getting a Slurpee. I don't know. It's childish. It's a simple pleasure, and it makes me happy to this day. I get a Slurpee, and life feels a little bit better. I had eating pizza and watching the Gilmore Girls. Yes, the combo is really the gold. (laughs) I actually shared a little bit about this more recently as well. Sometimes it's okay to just identify a comfort show, a comfort activity, a comfort food, and allow yourself to have them. Um, And then one of the things I had on there was white daisies. I've always preferred wild ones, but all kinds make me smile. So you might see where this is going if you know me in real life. Um, I also had being with dogs on my list. And so then I went and got a dog. And of course, I named her after my favorite flowers from the happy list as well. I was piling the happy stuff on me (laughs) until it would stick. Plus, you know, the added benefit, of course, of having my dog was, you know, I had a reason to get out of bed every day. I had to get up and take her out. And I tell you that I took that responsibility dead seriously for 14 and a half years. You know, she ultimately kind of saved my life. Um, I could talk about my Daisy pug for hours. (laughs) I don't want to cry right now because she's, she's gone now. Um, but let's go back to the list. So, okay. To be honest, it wasn't a very big list to begin with. I think at most I had those five things, which is probably why they've stuck with me the most over time. 
Um, but every time something did spark that bit of joy in me, I added it and I let the list grow from there. At one point, I remember vaguely that it was around 12 or 15 things on my list. And so the list served the purpose of being accessible to me when my brain was not able to process and consider what would make me happy. It even meant that sometimes I could and had to take a rote action like a robot, you know, go to swing set. <laughs> but inevitably, once I got on the swing, I would feel better and lighter and a little bit more hopeful. See, I knew the action would bring me joy even if my brain could not grasp it in a full body way until it had happened. So that's what worked for my brain and I think it's so important to reiterate this. I'm talking about my own path of self-discovery that led me to understand what would help me through the really bad times. And it started with a happy list and the pug of my life. That was the power of something, you know, quote unquote, silly, like a list something quote unquote basic, you know? I kept it in my wallet for years so that it was at hand whenever I needed it. And then the next step was I started noticing why certain things made me happy. For example, things that I had enjoyed in childhood really made me happy. And I recognized that it was because through them, I was tapping into, you know, simple and uncomplicated joy. Once I recognized that tapping into simple joy, sometimes childhood joy, was a key player in my mental health journey, I started paying attention to the other experiences in my life that gave me similar feelings of joy. And then I started noticing how joy felt in my body. So you can do silly things if they're what help you. You know, write yourself a sticky note and put it on your coffee pot. Carry around a lucky penny and every time you touch it, think of a specific joyful memory. Every time you go for a walk, decide to do a little jig and giggle at your own absurdity. You can have inside jokes with yourself. You can create reminders of joy for yourself. You can do literally whatever it takes to make your life feel more fun and full of joys, you know, big and small. For me, joy is the physical or active expression of happiness and fulfillment. It's how I acknowledge and embrace that happiness and fulfillment. And it's become something that not only can I harness, but because I understand it so fully within myself, I can actually create it. It's like recognizing that there's a gray cloud hovering nearby, which is my depression, but deciding that I can paint all the things around me in color nonetheless. So sure, it might rain, but the rain doesn't wash away the color. It just mutes it for a while. I actually talk a lot more about this concept of bringing color and vibrancy into your world in episode seven of the podcast titled, You Didn't Wake Up Today Thinking I Want a Boring Life. <laughs> if you want to hear a little more on my theory around vibrancy as joy. But what it boils down to is this, the pursuit of joy is the only thing that in my opinion and my experience can perpetually keep us on track. The pursuit of happiness, uh, a bit dodgy because we assign happiness to far off things and far off goals and far off states of being. But joy, joy is accessible every single day. Joy is in your perspective. It's in your daily routines. It's in your response to a moment. It's in your interactions with others. It is in fact not elusive. Joy is extremely present and it's right there for the taking anytime you want it. So joy therefore keeps you on track. It lights the way. It cannot be lost, only found, because it doesn't exist outside of your experience of it. Joy is completely within your power to hone, to harness, to create, to build, to amplify, to embrace. Isn't that fucking incredible? Like, <laughs> Just think about this for a minute. 
every minute of every day is an opportunity for joy. And the thing is, even a few seconds of joy lights up our lives to such a degree that it's not as if you need to like run yourself ragged at the pursuit of it. You just need to shift your perspective a little, open your eyes to it, and watch for those daily flickers, those little tiny moments where you can be like, ah, joy, you beautiful beast, there you are, hello, and kind of grab it. Now, maybe I sound a little unhinged, <laughs> but it seriously does give me goosebumps. I remember living without joy, you know, and now I can find it somewhere almost every day. Life's really freaking beautiful, even when it's hard, because there are joys throughout. That is why I focus on joy. You can pour yourself a cup of coffee and deeply inhale the smell and love it so fully in your body, that deep breath and that moment, even ritual of smelling it, and you can smile and that is joy. That's pure, simple, uncomplicated joy. You can walk down the street and notice a little flower growing in a crack and you can snap a picture and feel the sheer delight of that tiny thing making its way in the world. And that is simple, uncomplicated joy. You can put on a song and dance around the living room and feel nothing, although it's not that likely, but you can also in that moment choose to smile and be silly and embrace joy. You can create a little inside joke with your partner or your best friend that doesn't even have to make sense because simply speaking it to them will produce the joy in your body of being known and being seen. The cool thing about joy is it really doesn't take anything specific or anything special and it does not depend on anyone else or external factors. It's all up to you. It's literally up to how often you can access it. In frank honesty, this process of creating your roadmap to a life that lights you up is really hard work. Whether you struggle with depression or anxiety or anything else or nothing at all. It's often a very slow winding road with plenty of setbacks and plenty of moments where things will feel very unbeautiful and very unjoyful. Every time I would experience a breakup or be in a new country and be challenged constantly or find myself unable to communicate with someone I really valued, I would battle for weeks or even months with coming back to joy. And every single time, the thing that worked, the thing that got me back on track was just focusing on those tiny daily moments, those little fleeting opportunities to choose joy and to turn towards it or not to and to turn away from it. So it's definitely an imperfect process, but it is worth the effort, I will tell you that much. The pursuit of joy honestly did lead me to my dream life because the pursuit of joy is what first got the wheels turning in my brain, telling me that life didn't have to be, you know, working my ass off and saving for retirement and then hoping to see some of the world once I was older. Just, you know, cross my fingers and hope my health holds out. It led me to the idea that life could be fun and full of possibilities, you know, that we could live to connect and to play, not to work and to die. That I could spend each day scouting out something happy or joyful instead of just surviving all the time and getting through it. And those ideas started me on what was, especially at the time, an unconventional path of travel, you know, living abroad, mind-expanding experiences, even more hardships, yes but ultimately the understanding of these two things. One, life is way too damn short. And two, too many people waste their life settling for so much less than what's on their hearts. Fear and security hold us back from so many things. They often stop us from reaching what we want, 
you know, from finding our full potential, from jumping into life-changing opportunities and experiences, from leaving situations that no longer serve us or even sometimes that hurt us. But the pursuit of joy is the antidote to all of that. It is because it is literally an act of running to your life, running to yourself and running to your happiness. It's so deeply personal and unique to you that it serves to keep you on your path if you can hone in on it. So a very quick anecdote about fear and insecurity robbing me of joy and joy ultimately being the antidote. I... Cynthia Mazaru, lover of mountains, basker of forests, bather of seas, <laughs> used to not want to be in nature. I was so uncomfortable in my skin and in my brain all the time that being outdoors gave me a shit ton of anxiety. Like, hike? No, thank you. Everyone will be judging my pathetic lack of athleticism. Sit at the beach? No, sir. I would prefer not to. <laughs> the sand gets everywhere. The bugs make me itchy. Do anything? Something? No, it's too hard. It's hard work to go to the mountains. That will take all day. I was so deeply disconnected from life that I was disconnected from nature. We literally come from nature. So now when I talk about nature as healing, that is why. For me, it is. Being in nature soothes me, it heals me, and it was ultimately for me the missing puzzle piece in my journey back to myself. And fear and insecurity were standing in the way of that for years. So I can share some ideas here of how you might discover your joy, you know, harness your joy or create your joy. And I love to do that. But ultimately the coolest part about making joy your journey is that in it, you do find your way and you find yourself. So my joy will not be the same as your joy necessarily. And that's, what's so freaking cool about it. You know, just the pursuit of joy led me personally to pursue an unconventional life. But it also led to some really amazing conversations and observations over the years. The years. So I realized that my ability to harness joy amidst depression, amidst hardship, amidst pretty inarguably shit situations at times, really is my superpower. I learned how to build the muscle and create the muscle memory for a joyful life, even when it wasn't my current experience or reality. I could lean back into how I wanted to feel. I could find a way to make decisions through that lens instead of the gray lens of a bad time. And I could let my body remember what joy felt like and follow the feeling. And I did follow it. To a vacation in Mexico that turned into a life. To a working schedule that honors my need for flexibility and softness. To a love that feels somehow simultaneously like an anchor and also limitless. I learned how to hold space for myself all those years ago in my own dark times and be able to simultaneously reach for the light. They've both always been there, but I couldn't see the light for so long. And now I always know where to look. And deeply, deeply inherent to this joyful life that I am building is that my road led me to build a business helping women find, uncover, access, and step into their own joys to own their lives and dreams, to grab onto them, and to build themselves something that makes them excited to wake up and get out of bed. So I built my dream, helping women build their dreams. <laughs> Is that not fucking cool? Like it's joy wrapped in joy, that's how I feel. I want you to know that you don't have to wait to figure things out in quotations, you know, figure things out or sort out your mental health. 
You can and should always put your mental health first, but you can still start working on your dreams right now. When we work together, you'll begin to see that whatever you want is valid and worth going after today. Even if it doesn't look like you thought it would, even if it doesn't look like someone else's ideas for your life or what you once thought you wanted, and you are going to see that you don't have to choose between soft and successful, kids and travel, you know, joy and ambition, whatever your all is, my goal is to show you that it's possible and to craft the plan to get you there. Inside Dream Life in Action, my six-month one-to-one coaching program, I will help you live your dream life and have it all right now, no matter what your current circumstances are. Okay, so in my teen years and into my 20s, I felt consistently low, perpetually lost, and definitely negative. I felt really wary of the world. I was you know, unable to find you know, a sufficient light to hang on to. Um, I was working jobs that I hated. I was completely denying the truth of my soul and who I am and what I need to be happy, like even just to be okay. And I was in increasingly worse relationships too, because I believed that living with someone who's living with depression is so hard that I deserve to be treated badly in return. It makes me really cringe to say that and, and kind of ashamed to admit it. But it's really what I believed deep down at the time. I thought I was a dark person, a pessimistic person, even a mean person. But I'm not, and that wasn't me. And if, as we said at the beginning, depression robs you of all the wonderful things that make humaning worth it, I also for a time felt that it had robbed me of all the things that made me beautifully human. I see it so differently now, I'm so grateful for that, but it would not have been possible without my stark, firm belief that things could change, that life could be better, even if I had no idea like how or what it might look like. I had no picture when I started of what better was even supposed to be. I just believed deeply that I could find a way for life to feel good. Perseverance is pretty damned important in any journey at all, especially for anyone trying to change their life. It's so easy to lose your way and to get a little spun around, you know, to feel like you've gone backwards instead of forwards. We have to be deeply attached to the idea that life can be good for us, can be amazing and filled with amazing experiences, that it keeps us on track because it's the belief that keeps us moving forward. When the idea of where we're headed gets a little fuzzy, you know, or blotted out by that damn gray cloud. (laughs) So how the hell did I do it? How the hell do I do it? What is the roadmap? Here we go. It started with asking for help and being open to trying things I hadn't before to see if they might help. You know, I made a happy list. It felt stupid, but anyone can do this and you can start right now. Think about what are the things that usually brighten your day when you do them or when you have them. Add to the list as you go, even if you can only think of one thing right now, because that's a start. That's a beautiful light. You know, run with it, run towards it. When people talk about making a mindset shift, it's not as elusive as it sounds. It literally means you wake up and you decide what to focus on for the day. If your focus is positivity, do a gratitude challenge with yourself. I've done them and I still do them when I need to shift my mindset. 
If you want life to feel magical, think about how to imbue your daily routines with a little magic. Take the time to like light a candle and make a tea with your nightly bath or add different flavors to your coffee each morning to surprise and delight your senses. You know, or dance around the kitchen in your underwear because it feels delightful that you could be someone who would, that you are someone who does that, like out of a movie. And then if you can, try to visualize your life in the future in great detail. What are you experiencing? Who's around you? How do you feel? What can you sense? What can you smell? What can you hear? Let those visions and those emotions guide you daily. Ground yourself in that vision. Let it become your mantra. It's okay if it changes along the way because you might find that as you embrace yourself more fully, your vision expands with your growth. But you definitely need to know what you're working towards. You, it, it's so helpful to get through these next steps to be able to visualize some concept of better for yourself. Then you'll need to learn what joy feels like in your body so that when those moments of joy happen, they flit past you like a bird, (laughs) you can start grabbing them. Use your body's physical reactions of joy in the natural moments to help you create more joy in the moments where it feels out of reach. So notice when joy presents itself because even just noticing it can be a huge shift to begin with. Start putting yourself in more situations where your version of joy presents itself. So consider which relationships support your joy and which do not and start making cuts. Limit your time with people who feel better about themselves when you're feeling down. They're not helping you and they may need to play less of a role in your future, I'm sorry to say. Focus on what you can start inviting in versus keeping out. This is a tough one, but it's a huge, huge shift. I mentioned this at the beginning of the episode. Think about which people, experiences, opportunities you can invite in instead of burrowing from the world to protect yourself. And even beyond that, start thinking about which versions of yourself you can invite in. This is where you're going to get brave. You're going to get brave with how you describe yourself. We become what we think we are. It's all a self-fulfilling prophecy. So believe you are kind, resilient, joyful. Believe you are worthy of being deeply loved. Believe you are a person who finds the good in yourself and others. And bit by bit, you become it. Pay attention to what's causing you fear and insecurity right now. There might be some clues on the other side of those experiences as to what would actually bring you joy, but you will have to get uncomfortable first. Spend a ton of time in reflection. Find a way or a space to do this that works for you. You can journal, you can meditate, you can sit quietly, you can lay in bed under the covers, you can turn the TV off, you know, whatever works for you. Go on a walk, sit on a swing, have a hot shower, and do some pondering in there. But continuously ask yourself which parts of your day let a little light in and which didn't. Where were the cracks in your day and how can you invite in more of them? Throughout the whole process, notice what changes feel good for you. Notice what you'd like to do more of or less of and make changes accordingly. And this is a big one and it's a hard one, but learn to trust yourself. You can do this whether you're depressed or not, just by the by. Like this process is essentially the same for anyone who wants to get intentional about inviting in more joy and lightness and ease into their lives. And it might just mean that your process is a little bit simpler or there's a few steps that you can skip 
Maybe not. But bear in mind that for me, this process was one of years, actually, like honestly, decades, if we're being real. Um, This wasn't overnight, but bit by bit, following these steps and making up my own rules as I went changed me from a pessimistic, sad, hollowed out person to a person who embraces life so damn fully (laughs) that she's out here helping other people do the same thing. Like, I kind of want to cry when I say it. Like, I get a bit overwhelmed because of how far I've come and how much better I feel, like how much more I get out of life now. I still remember in the like cells of my body what that emptiness felt like. And now I know that a bad day or even a bad month doesn't crush me. It doesn't rob me of my claim to being happy or whole or optimistic or joyful or loved. A bad time does not make it a bad life anymore. I used to say that my depression was crushing me, drowning me, pushing me down, 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 down. And actually, Faith G. Harper, the author from the beginning, shares that this is part of the literal feelings and definition of depression. But now, I feel like my depression is something that walks beside me, almost like a friend, you know, maybe like a shadow, you know? I definitely still know it's there, but it's no longer threatening me every day. It's more like something I'm aware of, you know, who thinks his job is to keep me safe. And so by living well and keeping myself safe, it mostly just stays next to me instead of covering me, you know? Um, So here's what I wish I had known back in the day. Here's what I wish I had known back in the day or what I wish someone else had said to me. That just because you struggle with anxiety or depression or anything else, really, I mean, it doesn't mean you can't have everything that you want. It doesn't exempt you from a life filled with love and joy and fun and adventure. You can learn to live alongside whatever you're struggling with. You do not have to wait to go after all those things. You know, you do not have to wait to be quote unquote better to go after everything you want. You can learn to live alongside whatever your struggle is and even with enough time, Start to use it as your superpower, as your super strength, because it does. It gives you a deep insight into your own brain that a lot of people may never have or be forced to look at, you know? Don't let anxiety or depression be the thing that keeps you from everything you want. Let it just be the thing that sits alongside you, not the thing that holds you back and pushes you down. I have used this roadmap to joy with clients uh, who do not really have mental health struggles. I've used it with clients who struggle with burnout, though not necessarily depression or anxiety. And I recently used some of these ideas with a client who's struggling with anxiety and another who struggles more with depression. And so I use these same ideas, the same roadmap on clients, um, you know, in the different situations that they're facing because ultimately the roadmap to joy is for all of us. I mean, most of us want to welcome in more joy. That's why I tell you they're applicable to us. You know, it's applicable to whether you want to live differently, live more fully or live more joyfully. These are the steps you will want to take. And one such client came to me recently with one very pressing, crushing, constant feeling. And that was my anxiety is getting in the way of everything. She was feeling so frustrated with herself, you know, with her brain, with all of it. It felt like her anxiety was controlling her life and pulling her away from how she really wanted to be living. And she was sick of it. Really relatable for those of us who've had some similar battles, right? You do. You get 
freaking sick of it. So I took to my roadmap and the approach that I've honed over the 15 years of my own life and worked with this client to give her, to get her living a lot better very, very quickly in a way that still honors her own brain, her own life, and her own struggles. First of all, she had already gotten to a place where she believed she could live differently, and so that is huge and a pretty important first step. But if you're not there yet, don't despair. Right now, you just have to be curious about what that could mean. We can work on mindset and on the belief piece together. So with this client, we worked on identifying what would make her feel, what would make her life feel, how she wanted to feel, how she wanted it to feel. What were those words, emotions, key pieces for the picture that she was building in her brain of her life? You know, the picture that we all have generally tucked somewhere safe behind our heart. And in this case, she wanted to feel calm, relaxed, and fun. And she wanted the people around her to have that experience with her, experiences of calm, relaxation, and fun. This was actually really powerful. She could see how often she was setting the tone in her primary relationships. Like she was kind of managing the emotional wellness in those relationships, but the tone was not the one she really wanted to be setting or demonstrating or living or playing out. She didn't want to be living in her current feelings. And even more than that, she didn't want to be creating those more you know, negative feelings for herself and spaces for the people that she loves. And there's so much honesty in that. I can't even tell you, like, talk about being a badass, <laughs> you know, and willing to own your own peace in something, even while knowing that you're also struggling and having a really hard time. So we got to work. First, we got into some super deep visualization. I, I honestly do. I use this technique in various forms and at different moments with all of my clients, and it's so profound. I don't even know how to share how amazing it can be for folks, but most people have never sat quietly and really, really let their hearts construct a vision for their future. It's really powerful stuff. So I then had this client redo a recent scenario in which she felt her anxiety had robbed her of a nice time with the people she cares about. And in the visualization exercise, we were able to access a few key pieces of information that helped us. We got to the heart of what situations were creating these moments of anxiety. We got to the heart of what kinds of interrupters could shift things for the better. And then what to do when the shift wasn't possible. And then how to repair afterward if it had all kind of not gone to plan both personally, emotionally, you know, and if anyone else was affected. This, you know, I'm saying this in a matter of sentences, but this is really hard work. But with the visualization, the reason that it helps is because it becomes known and practiced in your brain so that your brain can recall what to do in future. It's the same reason I talk about practicing joy in your body. You're creating patterns for your brain to follow in future so that eventually it has a path carved out and knows the road home. What people forget about is that you can still feel okay after or during particular struggles with anxiety and depression. I do want to remind you something that people forget about is that you can still feel okay after or during particular struggles with anxiety and depression because you're recognizing your own humanity and continuing to strive for more of what makes you feel great, 
not eliminating or erasing anything about who you are. So it's messy and imperfect work, and you're not necessarily going to nail it 100% of the time when you're in the process of making changes. But you're inviting in more opportunities to get where you're going, and that in itself is a good feeling. This isn't about perfection. You know, there's no perfection here. There never is for anyone anyways. There never needs to be. It's just a focus on, you know, living as you are, as you want to be, as often as possible. Inside my six-month Dream Life in Action program, we get to the heart of who you are, who you want to be, and how you're going to get there. And then we do all this work together. So this isn't about anyone else's journey or anyone else's vision for your life. We make the time to work on whatever is standing between you and that little dream or that big dream that's hiding behind your heart that you've been afraid to take out and dust off. Now, my client, the same one we were just talking about, is recognizing that her journey with anxiety might just be one part of her life, including her best life, and that it doesn't actually need to prevent her from, nor necessarily be fixed for her to get after living her best life. Just by minimizing the negative effects that it sometimes has in her life, it's freeing up her energy, her emotional capacity, and her mental strength to go after those other things like personal development, you know, more vacations, fun outings with friends and family that she's been backburnering while the anxiety has been sort of raging and taking over. Within one week of getting really, really real and going deep in our session of understanding herself better and reaching for this version of herself that honors where she's at, as well as reaches for where she wants to be, she sent me this message. I really cannot believe the results already. Not saying things might not change, but it has been such, in capitals, a good week. Regulating my emotions, engaging other people's feelings, and not making so many assumptions about those. Cynthia, you should win an award. (laughs) And she recently told me that she uses my Instagram to remind her of some of her own practices, like pausing to reflect on her joy from the week, you know, to looking for little moments of magic in her daily life, which I can honestly say is all the reason I need to keep sharing episodes like this and posts like those if they help even one person. None of this is about me bragging to you, though it does make me really, really, really proud, but it's about sharing how much impact a few hours of focused, intentional support can change things. So if you do want to follow along on Instagram as well, and maybe just see sort of how I make that, you know, work for myself day to day, you can do that. You can find me at uh, sin underscore maz. So C-Y-N underscore M-A-Z, like my name, Cynthia Mazaru. So in conclusion, the pursuit of joy can be a powerful tool in overcoming or shifting your relationship to depression. It's a useful roadmap that can help you connect the dots between how you're living and how you want to be living. And it can provide an anchor in the stormy sea of what to focus on and what to look for when you cannot find the light. But it is not an easy path. Pursuing joy as as with pursuing anything in life takes self-reflection, it takes action, and it takes persistence. It requires the insistence that life can be whatever you want it to be and the courage to hold that thought close amidst the chaos of life and your own stormy thoughts. All that said, 
Depression can be so debilitating that even listening to this episode, let alone attaching to the idea of joy can feel impossible. So if you are struggling with depression and anxiety or one or the other, please reach out to someone you trust for support. If you're trying all the things and nothing seems to be working, I see you and I believe in the beautiful concoction of medicine, therapy, the natural word world, and coaching to help you find your way out. And also, please know that I think coming back from depression takes superhuman strength. And you're amazing just for being here and getting through another day that feels black and hopeless. I want you to know that you don't have to wait to figure things out or sort out your mental health. Like you can and should always put your mental health first, but living into your dreams is part of your mental health. It's not a separate entity to be tackled only after you've figured out the rest. When we work together, you'll begin to see that whatever you want is valid and worth going after. And I will walk you through the roadmap at your pace and in your way, making tweaks to suit your brain and the resistance that it's probably going to put up at a deep change. But you can and will find your way to a place where life feels good. It's, you know, let's start with good and we can add the rest in as we go. My goal is just to demonstrate what's possible and walk with you some of the way because getting started is really, really hard and getting started alone feels nearly impossible. So give yourself the space and time to start creating an easier, more joyful life. It doesn't have to be difficult. It will be hard, but it can and will feel like coming home to yourself if you're brave enough to get started. You can find out more on my Instagram at sin underscore Maz or my website sinmaz.com. And please, please reach out to your doctor or a trusted friend if you're struggling and, you know, afraid and need help right now. Trust in the goodness of others to help you to the other side and reach out if I can support you at all. Thanks for listening. As always, you can email me at girlinworldpodcast at gmail.com or find more of my work at sinmaz.com. That's C-Y-N-M-A-Z.com. Thanks so much for listening. Hit subscribe and I'll see you next time.